morning, everybody. See, everybody got their canoes out and got here this morning. I had my sunglasses on when I left home. <laughs> and then uh, now it's all dark and wet outside. So if your children played with my children yesterday, you may want to douse them in sanitizer. Levi appears to still be sick. So we thought he was well. So dang it. So Jesus, we just thank you for uh, um, gathering us together in your name and uh, for meeting with us, God, feeding us with your word, Lord Jesus, for ministering your grace to us. God, again and again, God, you have refreshed us time and time again with your word. God, and, and we have gathered here around your table, God, refreshed by the uh, the table that you've set before us. God, we just we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. And I just pray that today you would give us ears to hear and that you would plant these things in our hearts and that uh, you would do in this place exactly what you want, God, that, that you would have preeminence in this place. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, go with me to Ephesians 2. I think we were here last week, if I recall. I want to read something else this time, though. Um, in Acts, um, you know, Paul is, uh, you know, he's making this speech, and everybody's all, all the Jews are getting all worked up about his speech, and and uh, the Romans come and uh, take him away, to keep him from being killed by the the crowd, and. Uh, it's kind of uh, I always thought it was kind of funny because they didn't really know what was going on with Paul, but they figured they would get the story out of him. They would examine him by scourging. It's like okay, that's an interesting uh, method of you know. It's like hey, you know, come on downtown. We just need to ask you a few questions. It's like oh dear. It's like you know, we're just gonna peel your thumbnails off and you know, break your teeth out with a wrench. I don't know. It's like okay, so um, and of course. Uh, you know, Paul asks them, is, is it okay for you to do that since I'm a Roman and you don't have anything on me yet? And they all kind of paused, you know, because, of course, if he's a Roman, they can't just treat him like some, you know, second-class citizen or whatever. And uh, um, and, and this guy says, you know, with a great sum, I obtained this freedom. And Paul says, of course, I was freeborn. Well, that word that the centurion used, that, that he bought this freedom. This word only appears in one other place in the New Testament. It's here in Ephesians 2. And uh, um, and freedom is a good word for it. Um, it uh, I think that I like the word it uses here in, in Ephesians better. Uh, so starting in verse 11, it says, Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So this word commonwealth is that same word again. The word the centurion said that he bought this freedom with. And... uh 
Um, and uh, when you kind of boil this word down, it basically means citizenship. And so, so he's talking about how you know, we were outside that citizenship of the kingdom of God. And uh, which, of course, is building on uh, on what Paul's been talking about earlier here in the chapter, because of course we all know that that's kind of the focus of Ephesians two is you know you were dead, you were in the world, and and God has 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 quickened you and He saved you, you know, by grace, not by your merits, and and made you what He wants you to be, and is making you what He wants you to be. So he's, so He's really still talking about that same thing. Um, but it's a precious thing because um, it's a it's a it's a great reminder to always have in in front of us. You know, when I first uh, got born again, uh, I was a teenager, and um, I think it's easier to not be um, cloistered away from the world if you're still a kid and you know you have to go to school and so forth and so on because it's really easy to just be in the church and kind of quarantined away from the rest of the world and and not really deal with them not really encounter the things that they go through you know we talked about that a little bit Friday night but um, you know I was I was really you know still surrounded by all these these people that I went to school with and everything and um but the funny thing is, is when you, uh, there's something in human nature I find that when you stop doing a particular thing or start doing a particular thing, it's really easy to look down your nose at everybody that is not doing what you're doing or is doing what you're not doing, as it were. Uh, a great example, um, uh, my dad uh, lifts weights regularly and uh, exercises a little bit, you know, and and uh, there for a while he was in pretty good shape. He still does exercise, but he's he's put on a few 30 pounds or so and uh but when before he did uh he was always making these snide comments about how chunky I was and uh and how I should do something about it. Like, okay. All right. You know, and I've and I've felt the same way. You know, it's like, hey, it's like I'm trying this new thing. It's working for me. Everyone should do this. You know, it's easy to think that way. You know, and uh, you know, once my dad started putting on a bunch of weight and everything, I kept all my snide comments to myself. But <laughs> it's like, oh, how low the mighty have fallen. You know, but <laughs> thou hypocrite. But. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, I mean, I, I know for myself, you know, being a baby Christian and all, I had, uh, quite the self-righteous bent in high school. I was, I was better than everybody else because I was not a heathen. And, uh, in fact, in high school, I was only vaguely aware of what a heathen really was, but, um, as, as Mike will attest to, but, um, if you haven't heard that story, you should ask him, but, um, it's a it's a really great reminder to know that we came from the same place. So when we see those those people around us, because when you look at the news, you just you go to the store, um, and and it's 
it's appalling the things that you see. You know, and then I mean, even in elementary school, it's like you take your kids to school, and you just you see people who just their appearance, they look like life has just torn them to shreds. And, and you think, man, why, how could you hurt so bad inside that you would want to look like this? Or that you would decide that this would be a good way to look? And um, so it's a precious thing because that centurion told Paul that I obtained this citizenship with a great sum. And actually I did a little bit of research about that and there really isn't anything out there that, you know, some sort of, you know, monetary amount that that, uh, would, that, that was back in those days. Um, uh, other than to say that it was at great cost, you know. And uh, I heard some interesting, read some interesting ideas about, hey, maybe that would solve America's immigration problem and everything, you know, if it cost you $50 million to become an American citizen or something. But I don't think that would really fix it. But he, uh, so he, he paid this great cost to be part of this, of this um, uh, empire that he believed in, this, this government that he believed in. And the interesting thing for us is then Paul comes back and says, but I was freeborn. It's like I, I, uh, I am here because I was born here. And, uh, you know, and, and of course the, the Roman society was very layered socially. They had all these different, um, you know, social classes and things. And you could kind of move up and down in them with, with money and time and accomplishment but, uh, and, and the favor of those above you. But um, so Paul was in a really good place as far as his citizenship went because he was just born into it. And so he it was, you know, in some senses privileged in the empire. But um, he didn't pay anything for it. And, you know, but somebody paid this great price for him, you know. And, uh, you know, but the great thing is, is it's not, you know, the, the kingdom that we have become a part of. It really... It, he paid all the price for us. You know, Jesus paid this terrible price, you know, for you and I to be a part of, of his kingdom, of his government. You know, um, uh, I, re- uh, I used to really like that movie Gladiator. I hadn't seen it in a long time. But it, there's this interesting thing in the beginning where this, this Roman general is telling the emperor, he's like, you know, what do you, well, the emperor asks him, what do you, you know, what is Rome? What is this glory of Rome and everything? And he's like, well, I've seen most of the rest of the world, and it's it's dark and cold, and and Rome is the light. And which you know, in you know, in a in a worldly sense, I suppose that would have been true. Um, but it's interesting because we belong to this kingdom that really is this kingdom filled with light, and and we really have the light of God. And uh, to be a part of it, as opposed to the darkness, is is a really Really blessed thing. Um, you know, I loved that story Ron told the other day about uh, how he'd never thought about how about it being creepy walking from his friend's house to his house with no street lights. But until he brought up something about it, his friend was like, "Yeah, it's, it's kind of dark, isn't it?" It's like, "Ooh, it is," you know. And I grew up out on the edge of town, and we had like a street light, and then it was just darkness out there. There's like some light, like faint lights out in the distance and stuff and and uh um 
it's actually pretty dark out there at night, and uh, it's there's nothing like being in the dark and being uncomfortable. That 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 idea that something is there, you know. I when he was telling that story, I just was remembering thing after thing from my childhood. Like, you know, we watched all kinds of stupid, scary stuff when I was a kid, and remember. And I spent a lot of time home by myself, and. Uh, uh, I, I just I remembered all these times like walking down the hallway in my house, like just trying to just walk normal. There's no one here. There's nothing here. It's just me. I'm here by myself. But it's like your spidey sense is tingling, and you're just you're just waiting for you know something to just you know ah you know and and uh, <laughs> yeah right. And, and it's funny because you know there's nothing there, but it doesn't really do your do you much good to tell yourself that because you still have the heebie-jeebies, you know. But you know the the great thing about having the be a part of of God's kingdom is that we don't have that that darkness and we don't have that sense of their of needing to look over our shoulder because because we have Him and because He watches over us and because we have light. So. So he says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. I mean, that's that's a pretty good ex, uh, explanation. That's a pretty good description of what it's like to be outside of God's kingdom. Uh, I was talking to somebody this week and they, they had gotten this... Uh, post office sent them a little thing that they had a, a registered letter or whatever that they had to go pick up at the post office and sign for that they had in fact gotten this letter. And they were kind of anxious about it and about some other stuff going on in their life and so they, you know, off they go to go do this and I was just imagining if that was me and I'm driving along in my car and I've got these things that I'm uh anxious about or whatever, I would be praying. I would be you know, I'd just be, I'd be in my car like, man, Lord, you know, you know, I'm really anxious about this thing, and you've got the answer for this, you know. And I think when you know God, that's kind of just how life is, you know. It's like you just have that, it's like there's no one else around, you know, and you're, you don't have anything, you know, sucking up your attention, and and it's, you just find yourself aware of His presence, aware that that He's always there. And I just thought of how alone this guy must feel in his car driving away along to go pick up this letter that he doesn't want to go pick up, go deal with this other stuff that he doesn't want to deal with. And uh, I'm just like, wow, we are so blessed. And, uh, you know, to to have, you know, I mean, people talk about, you know, Christianity being a crutch. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> it's like, it's not that necessarily, but, uh, you know, um I, I really see no no shame in in having God pick me up and carry me through life because uh, I, I I can't imagine going through life without Him and, and trying to just handle things myself. But He says He talks about this in such interesting terms: strangers from the covenants of promise and having no hope and without God in the world. I mean, can you imagine living without hope? You know, without hope of things ever getting better, without hope of uh, life ever changing, life ever being different, having something better than this life to look forward to. And uh, that really struck me. And we are surrounded 
by a world full of people that live just like that, that they have no hope. They're strangers to the covenants of promise. They have no idea what the Bible says. And then, uh, and, and that's what the world needs is for this, they need to see this citizenship that we have, this freedom that we have, um, and want to be a part of it. You know, people, you know, there's lots of, uh, of the world that really hates the United States for good reason. But on the whole, a lot of places in the world, people still would like to come here and be part of this country because it's better than what they've got and better than where they are. And uh, that's exactly what the church should be. The people should see. People should see us. They should see the the love of God in us. I think it's actually here in Ephesians. Maybe it's not. Okay, sorry, I'm thinking of a scripture and I cannot remember how it goes. Okay, well, never mind. But there's a uh, somewhere where it talks about um, how the uh, God wants to show Himself to the world and His kindness to us. You know, and so when you see, what's that? Is it really seriously? Where I was just at? Yeah, that would be it. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Yep. I was thinking it was in a chapter 3 somewhere. Yeah, in, in 6 and 7 he says, Raise us up together, made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So the world could see him. So the world could, you know, that's, and that's what he did with Israel. He never intended for Israel to be this exclusive thing that no one else could ever be part of. There, there's all kinds of things throughout the, the books of Moses where he talks about, you know, how someone could become a part of, of, of Israel, part of God's kingdom. But he wanted everyone to see, this is how I take care of my people. It's like, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, he intended for the world to look at what God did to Egypt and think. So if I was in trouble and I belonged to God, then these are this is the length he would go to for me. That that's what he wanted everyone to come away from that with. Not you know, I mean I suppose it's also don't mess with my people or this will happen to you. That's a great cautionary tale as well. But um so he has this intention of the world seeing him. You know, and so um, it, it's a great thing to to be a part of this kingdom, to have this citizenship. Uh, in verse 13, he says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off are made near by the blood of Christ. You ever, you know, you're in the song service and you're thinking, I wish I could think of something really specific that, that I want to thank God about. You know, because sometimes it's just like, where do I even start? You know, it's like there's all you think of all these general things that God's done, all this, all the those things that we all have. You know, and sometimes you know we just kind of draw a blank. And I like this: in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes far off are now made near by the blood of Christ. That that He He picked you, He found you, He chose you. You would have never found this place. You would have never found Him, and yet He He chose you, and and brought you close to him. So that's a blessing. And he is our peace, who has made both one 
and broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you that were far off and to them that were nigh. So, this is what God wants for the whole world. But He's a just God. And so, if He's going to tear down this this wall of partition, if He's going to uh, abolish the enmity of these commandments in in the lives of of the uh, the people around us, then they're going to have to have that same atoning blood that we have because that's that's why we are are saved from wrath. That's what the Bible says. We're saved from wrath through Him. And so, um, but how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? So, what God is looking for is is for a people who. Uh, he could really show the world who he is in. They could show his purpose in uh, a people that are uh, not busy about their own things, not busy about um, everyday things and, and all that. And, you know, God understands that you have a job. He understands that you have a family or, or whatever that, that you have that, that that takes up your attention. But it doesn't take up all of your time. You know, and and it and it all kind of depends on um, on the, how you prioritize life. And I should just have a mirror right here. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, it, it's funny because I always thought of having a desk job as being like super cake. You know, <laughs> you know, and it's like. I used to work with my hands, and it's like you know, you're, you're eventually your hands know what they're doing, and you can just kind of let your mind wander, and you have all kinds of mental bandwidth to deal with stuff. Think about things. You can pray while you're working. You can do all this stuff. I mean, I pray when I'm working now, but it's more like, oh god, <laughs> like what did I screw up now? So, um, I mean, seriously, you should hear some of Mike and I's conversations. Like, did you do this? No. We should probably do that. Yup. <sighs> we have lots of those. But you know, it's funny because now I have this job that takes up all of my brain and it makes it a lot harder. But it's still, it's funny how easy it is to make that an excuse of, well, I don't have t- as much time for this and that and the other thing. And. You know, and I know Jeff doesn't know what I'm talking about either. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, but it still comes down to this place of, you know, putting him first. You know, and, and it is a blessing to know that he's always there, that he's with you wherever you go. So when you are working and you're using your brain and, and looking at, you know, it's like, it's like that, uh, you know, business, 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 numbers, 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 you know, it's like God is still there, you know, and, and he's, and he's still with you. And, and then, then God brings you something to do that's what your life is really about. You know, it brings you somebody hurting. And then you can put those things aside and, and deal, with, deal with what your life is actually about. So, um, so that's what he's looking for. It says, um, 
Let's see. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. This word fellow citizens is that that same word again with a nifty little um, prefix on it that, that just basically means that you are the same as. So, so, so he says that we're fellow citizens with the saints. So that would make us saints. Thank you, Jeff. John, yes. So, um, so he's brought us into this, this place of being a saint. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And we all know, you know, it's like, you know, the correct, are you a saint? The correct answer is yes. You know, it's like, well, actually, you know, because of his blood, because of his righteousness covering you, you are in fact a saint. And I like how he says you're no more strangers. Because, you know, it's funny how, you know, some people can just walk up to strangers and be like, hey, so, you know, I'm John Peter First, how are you doing? You know, they'll shake your hand, they'll chat chat you up. You know, and then there's people like me that I'll kind of like, you know, I'll smile and nod and not really get close to you at all. And then after you've been here for like a year, I'll talk to you a little bit. So it's tough to get to know people sometimes. Depends on how how your personality is made up. So it's really fun when you are a salesman and people really don't want to talk to you already because you are a salesman. And so it's even harder to get past the whole I don't want to know you, I don't want to talk to you thing. You know, but the but the great thing is is usually once, you know, you kind of if you can break down somebody's little barrier, get in their bubble enough and you know, bobby eyes them enough to you know, they can't really thank you. That they, you really can't, they can't ignore you anymore. Then you kind of get to know them, and you get this thing going, and you're not strangers anymore. You know, and and that's a grand thing. Um, and but to not be strangers with God is a blessing. You know, because of all of all the people in creation that you wouldn't want to be a stranger, it would be Him. You know, it's like. You know, you talk about, yeah, I know so-and-so, or I, I met so-and-so, or yeah, you know, it's like so-and-so touched me on the shoulder once, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I didn't say I knew him, I just said he touched me on the shoulder, but, you know, but to, to know, to know God, and to not have him be a stranger to you, and to not be a stranger to him, uh, is really, really a blessing, and then when people see that on you, and and they find out that you mean I could actually know God like that. I could be a citizen of of the kingdom like you are. That it's it's not this unattainable thing. I don't have to wait until I'm dead and then be like you know canonized into sainthood or however that works. I don't know if they like put them in a cannon and you know, the little helmet with a star on it or. You know, but so fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You live in God's house, and and uh, you know the grand thing is is there's always there's always room for more. There's always more more room, and it never feels too big. It never feels too small. And, and uh, so what God is wanting is to have those people around us that are strangers and foreigners, strangers to the covenant of promise, and and without hope in the world. He wants those people. To be these these fellow citizens with the saints and and to be citizens of this kingdom with us, 
and and he's already paid that great price. They don't need to do like the centurion did and and pay this uh, this terrible price to to obtain this citizenship. Uh, God has already paid that price, and so the citizenship is there for the taking. Um, it does involve some laying of some things down, you know, and uh, and that's a blessing because you know God. He, he gets you by the heart first, and then and then we start talking about the laying things down, you know, and and then it doesn't seem so bad, and so so um, so having a church that is is in this place where God can really show Himself to the world is what He's after, and the more you look around at the world as it is today, you can see why He would be anxious to to be able to have. People see him in, in his church. So Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you for what you're doing. And God, we want to be those people. God, uh, surrendered to you, sold out to you. God, and uh, rejoicing in our citizenship of your heavenly kingdom. And God, what we pray is that um, that we would treasure that citizenship. God. Uh, God, freedom always involves responsibility. God, and I pray that you would. Uh, uh, bring to us uh, those responsibilities that that uh, you have for us, that we would take seriously our responsibility to you and to your kingdom, Lord God, and that uh, that the the world around us could in fact see you in us, that they could see the things that you do in us as being something that you would do for them, because you're not a respecter of persons, God. That they would they would behold your kindness in us, Lord God. That that you would fill us up with uh, your Holy Ghost, God. That the the fire of your presence would baptize us, God, and that uh, that we would be those people who who couldn't stay silent, Lord Jesus. But that that your word would uh, would come out of us, God. That it would be that uh, river of living water, God. As only you can do, God. Do these things in us now. Today we just pray that you would meet every need in this place. God, that you would do exactly what you want done. Say what you want to say. God, and let your spirit uh, lead us through this place uh, today. God, as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.